Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Please be seated. Well, you've probably heard the saying, in this world nothing is certain but death and taxes. What you probably have heard, you did not also know, that it was not first to claim to him, but um, probably more popularly um, uh, spread by none other than Benjamin Franklin. Benjamin Franklin is kind of quoted as saying these words. The coincidence, of course, of uh, nothing is certain but death and taxes, is that now his face immortalizes the very reality that each year, until you die, you will be paying out Benjamins to the IRS. Life is full of these seemingly coincidental episodes. The unexpected finds its way into our life, making familiar what once was considered strange. Our text at hand is a sort of strange historical happenstance. We are told the Pharisees have teamed up with unlikely rivals, the Herodians, in order to triangulate Jesus, to entangle Jesus, to trip him up, to catch him in the act of that day's hate speech. You see, the Pharisees are the Jewish religious, religious ruling class, while the Herodians are the Hellenized Jewish political class, meaning they were in essence culturally Greek, but their power ultimately came from the now ruling Roman Empire. And these groups did not like each other. These groups had opposing ideological positions on authority and who should actually be in charge. And Jesus, well, he's standing in between them. He's standing in the way and troubling their maintenance of power. So both the Pharisees and Herodians considered Jesus' teachings a threat because the people might begin to follow his new religion and that they might also place him up as also their king. They both have something to lose in that equation. In short, the mindset of this team of rivals become the enemy of my enemy is my friend. Well, there's that historical point. And here's a second one that I just want to get these historical uh, things out of the way. But uh, it's good to think about the coin in our text as well. Uh, the coin that would have been brought to Jesus. It's called uh, a tribute penny. And on it is the likeness of a Caesar. And the inscription describing that Caesar would have read, Son of God. Now, is that a coincidence, a mere happenstance of history? Here we see a man playing God on a coin, being brought to the true Son of God in the flesh. This whole text reminds me of another in Scripture, actually in Isaiah, Isaiah 44. It's a text that is worthy of a mic drop. Isaiah destroys idol worship by simply, by simply, get this, describing how you make idols. He describes the ironsmith whose tools are heated over the coals and fashions the idol with a hammer, working out its shape by his own strength. And as a carpenter, he then shapes the wood into the figure and the beauty of a man. To do this, 
he divides one piece of log. Half of it goes to the making of the idol, and the other half goes into the fire to kindle it for warmth and to make his dinner. The absurdity is lost on the man. In the end, he falls down to worship that idol made of metal and wood and prays for deliverance from it, deliverance from dead wood and deaf metal. To this, Isaiah remarks, all who fashion idols are nothing, and the things they delight in do not profit. How much more is this true with the coin that calls Caesar the son of God? The coin only holds its worth as long as the man clutching it lives and breathes. What then will happen to that idolater when he dies? I tell you, he will not go on to meet Caesar for judgment. Who then is the true son of God? How is his likeness yours and his word an everlasting inscription upon your heart? Jesus is true God and true man. He is the creator of all things and without him was not anything made that was made. This is what we know about Jesus and what is denied by the Pharisees and the Herodians. They wanted to paint another picture of who Jesus is. So they baited Jesus in with flattery. Oh, you're a good teacher. You don't care about other, other people's opinions. You know what you're talking about. Hoping to get him. Hoping to get that gotcha moment. And that's what they do. They set him up with the flattery. And then they ask him, is it lawful? Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? It's a simple question. But it's well crafted from their debate prep. They know if he answers yes, then he will be accused of being on the side of Caesar and therefore against the people. If he says, do not pay taxes to Caesar, then he will be accused of inciting a rebellion. Either way, there will be grounds for arresting Jesus. Well, as we heard, Jesus is wise to their malice. And he calls them out for just that. He calls them out for their testing of him and for their hypocrisy, which in the biblical sense of defining that word means their unbelief. Jesus calls them out for being unbelievers and acting accordingly. He commands them to this end to fetch a coin for his inspection. And he takes that coin and looking at it, he says, whose inscription and likeness is this? To which they reply, of course, Caesar's. Then give to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and give to God the things that are God's. They only can marvel. They have no response. That's not how this was supposed to go. And they leave. They leave to regroup until they can launch their next attack. What they didn't consider, you should know well. Our citizenship is in heaven. And from it we await a Savior, Jesus Christ the Lord. The way of God is not to worship idols made of metal and wood or coin, seeking a deliverance from these things, but knowing that the guarantee of faith is the love and forgiveness born anew from the true Son of God for you. You receive from Jesus a likeness that has not been known since man fell into sin. 
And while this side of eternity we continue to wait for the full restoration of God's image, we are even now partakers of God's grace, partakers of baptism. And in this means of grace, from baptism, our Lord inscribes upon both your head and your heart the name of the true triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And by this grace of God, you are, you are adopted into a life that does not end and is beholden to no earthly man or idol. So do not fear those who live in the likeness of idols and worldly men. If they ask Jesus, is it lawful? Is it lawful to pay taxes? You can bet today's hypocrites, today's unbelievers, those who might chase after God's people, that they would do the same. They will use what they call lawful in order to entrap you, to catch you into the act of, Caesar forbid, living out your Christ-centered convictions. The world can only chase after idols and power, and these things will not last. But the word of the Lord, that endures forever. That's God's gift to you forever. Give to Caesar all the things that he believes is his. But as for your soul, as for your witness, as for your life of faith, they are all God's and belong to no other. You are all God's children, redeemed by the very blood of Jesus Christ for you and for your soul's sake, for the full forgiveness of all of your sins. If there is anything to marvel at, marvel at the love of Jesus for you and me, that he has made certain of more than just death and taxes, but gives to you the fullness of his forgiveness, his life, and his salvation for you. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.